Hey, hey, welcome back to the Addicted to Healthy podcast, your one-stop destination for all things health and a kick-ass life. I'm Laurence, a certified nutritional practitioner and health coach and the host of the Addicted to Healthy podcast. So today I have a very special special guest on the podcast, Melissa Dugalecki. She's a life coach and gut health educator. She's a bereaved mother who's gone from broken, shattered, and hopeless to filled, clear, and excited about life. And she's now helping others do the same. She's passionate about helping others feel their best and taking a holistic approach to doing so. She's also a yoga instructor, marathon runner, and former collegiate athlete, and a Bostonian and lover of red wine. So today you're going to hear a little bit about her story going through loss and grief. And I can't even imagine the journey that she went through. You guys are going to hear about it, but she is so inspirational and she's just super woman. I was just so, so, so inspired and moved by her story. So I'm super excited for you guys to dive in and listen to our chat today. We're going to talk about her story going through loss and dealing with grief and as well as things like juice cleanses, gut healing, and her journey through her own struggles, and some practical steps and tips for you um, about cleansing or also if you are going through loss or dealing with, you know, difficult emotions and life experiences and traumas and um, how to get through to the other side. So she is so motivational and inspirational. I am sure you guys are going to love it. So without further ado, I hope you love the episode and um, I'm going to introduce you guys to Melissa. So I'd like to welcome Melissa Dugalecki to the podcast today. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Happy to have you because we have some awesome topics and I'm really excited to get into them. Some of them I think will be um, interesting for some listeners because it might be a little bit controversial, um, like the juice cleanses. So um, I'm excited to get into it. Yes, let's dive in. So I usually start with asking your story about how you came to where you are today. So your story with your health journey and how you became a coach. Sure. So yeah, my story is, um, I'd say fairly unique in the sense that I always uh, considered myself to be healthy and athletic. I was, you know, a captain and high school athlete. And then I played field hockey at the division one level. Um, I ran the Boston marathon my senior year of college. And then I continued on, you know, working out, um, following diet programs that I thought were, you know, kind of the newest fad or trend or whatever was out there. Um, I coached high school athletics. Um, So back then, had anybody asked me if I was healthy, I would have said yes. And in hindsight, um, looking back, I was very, very far from what I would now consider um, healthy. And my journey changed in a really, um, you know, through heartache. And it, it hasn't been easy, but it's it's my story. It's my journey. It's, it's what I have to own and it's why I'm here. So, um, I had my daughter Layden Sage. Um, she was born in February of 2014. She was born here in Boston. Um, and we knew before she was born that she had congenital heart disease. Um, now I have congenital heart disease. So, uh, she had what was considered a relatively easy repair. Um, it was an ASD. So a small hole in her heart, same thing I have. Uh, she had a VSD as well, which is just a different placement in her heart, um, a little hole. So 
Um, she was born and she was born to like 19 people. It was so funny. I mean, they had cardio, cardiologists for me. They had um, cardiologists for Leyden. They had delivering um, you know, staff and they had the ICU staff and they had the cardiac intensive care unit staff. And then they had students from Harvard just there to observe, <laughs> which was like, wow. hello. <laughs> um, so she was born and actually was doing really well. We went home and they didn't think that we'd have to do surgery for a while, but she failed to grow. Long story short is, um, you know, we ended up spending three or four months of her life at Children's Hospital and she lost a really hard fought, um, very traumatic battle. The doctors termed her case a catastrophe um, to what's called neck. Um, essentially it's sick intestines. So it wasn't her heart. Um, her heart was fully functioning. Her brain was fully functioning. Um, her spirit was fully functioning for sure. Um, but basically her body gave way on her and neck is intestinal damage. It's a very simplified version, um, which led to organ failure um, and renal failure. So that was June of 2014 and it just absolutely shattered my world. Um, and it was shortly after that I realized, you know, I have the choice here to remain broken, um, or I can begin to pick my pieces up. And I did, I, I researched grief. I went to parent groups. I went to support groups. I traveled outside of the country to see grief speakers. I read books. I listened to podcasts. I did everything I could to understand grief so I could then manage it. Um, and actually, ironically, it was a juice cleanse that I thought, well, maybe this will help me feel better um, along my journey. And I noticed this huge connection and kind of lightness in my feelings and my thoughts. And um, I thought, well, maybe there's something here. So that's when I began studying gut health. Um, so I have since now um, been studying gut health. I'm certified in holistic remedies. And at the time that I was, uh, became pregnant, I was on um, pretty intense acne meds, like the proactive. Um, I had cystic acne. I was on very high dosages of anxiety meds. I was diagnosed with celiac. I'd had mono three times. I was 29. Wow. Um, I had mono three times in my 20s. And um, I was a yo-yo dieter. You know, I did everything from the Weight Watchers and the calorie counting, the Atkins, like whatever the fad was, South Beach, remember that one? Um, you know, and I really struggled with my weight. I struggled with disordered eating and it was a tough journey. And so that's when I look back and I see my understanding of health was a number on a scale back then. So sure, my number on a scale was fine, but I was very far from healthy. So this journey um, led me to understanding gut health and through treating my own gut, it's now been two and a half years. I haven't even taken Tylenol or Tums, no medications, no prescriptions, no nothing. And um, I just feel a whole lot better. Um, and in my desire to convert my experience to be able to help others is when Lawrence, I found Angie's course and met you and here we are. Amazing. I love that story and it's so inspirational, especially through your, your journey with dealing with loss. Um, just makes you become such a stronger person. And thank you for sharing that. By yeah. the way, I know it. I mean, I can't even imagine what that must be like. So, um, but I do also 
really love how you mentioned that you had a choice between letting it destroy you or letting it make you become stronger, right? So I think we all have that choice. We all go through difficult hardships, whether it be loss or even like disordered eating, health um, ailments, disease conditions, um, even breakups, whatever it is, any traumatic um, experiences in your life. We always have that choice, right? Like, let it consume us or are we going to take over and take control of our life? So I think that's a really important message as well and super inspiring. So I wanted to kind of um, touch in a little bit before we go into the health stuff um, about navigating loss. So when did, did you have like a specific moment where you decided you were going to pick yourself up or how did it really work out for you? Well, I think it was, um, when we were in the hospital, are you familiar with the Boston Marathon? Mm, a little bit. Okay. It's like um, one of the, you know, most famous, if not maybe the most famous marathons in the world. And it's right here, my home city. And it actually starts in my hometown where my parents live. Yeah. Um, and when we were in the hospital in 2014, we were there on Marathon Monday. And it's a very big thing in our city. It's a lot of pride. You know, there were bombings here. Um, a few years ago, and it's kind of represented resilience and um, community since our city really rallied around that. And when we were in the hospital um, on that Monday, we were scheduled to go home that Friday. Like we were going home. Layden was being discharged. She was doing really well. Um, And I was so excited. I looked at her and I actually have a video of her um, from that day. And she's kicking her legs. And I said, Layden, next year, we're going to run the marathon for Children's Hospital. And we're going to cross that finish line together. Um, And so I think what started my transition was, you know, at first I wanted to research grief, but I didn't really want to grow through it. I didn't want to be happy. Um, I felt guilty being happy. I felt like if I was happy, it would be like I wasn't sad. You know, I wasn't destroyed. Um, I wasn't honoring Layden or people might look at me and say, oh, look, she doesn't even care that her daughter died. You know, in hindsight, none of that was rational. But I think that's a very natural way for us to think, though. And I think we've all kind of experienced that kind of thing where we kind of think of the expectations of others are that, yeah, we feel guilty being happy. Right. So I think it's an important thing to bring up as well. Yeah. And so I think it was about September after she passed um, where I saw the marathon, you know, kind of information coming out. And I thought oh my gosh, I, I have to keep my promise to her. Like, I, like this isn't just about me. This is about Layden's light and Layden's legacy. And her legacy can't be my demise. Um, so uh, that was kind of where it started. You know, and it started with not knowing, you know, if somebody had told me then that, oh, Melissa, you'll be coaching others through grief and through gut health and all of this from your experiences, I would have been angry, to be honest, Lawrence. Like, I would have been like, how dare you tell me I'm going to do that? Like, I'm in too much pain. Don't take my pain away from me. Um, so I get it when people aren't always ready for certain levels of support. Like, I get it. And I wasn't ready then, but it started with at least choosing to move forward, right? At least choosing to try and feel a little bit better one step at a time. And that's, I'd say that marathon training is where it started. And then it just grew from there. And so I think it's also something I kind of want to address is feeling the pain, Mm. because I think a lot of people 
And it's just like a normal human experience to avoid pain. We don't want to feel pain, right? So we will suppress it, um, whether it be binge eating, drugs, alcohol, whatever. Um, we usually find external sources to kind of avoid that inner pain that we have, which can go on for years and make things worse, right? So what was your experience with that? Were you able to fully feel the pain or did you try to like uh, block it out? Oh, definitely a mix. I definitely tried to block it out. Um, I think I felt it in dosages as I was ready. Like I, you know, you know, you can parallel to the fitness industry, right? Like you don't just go in having never lifted weights before and start, you know, bench pressing 300 pounds, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And the force of grief is a heavy energy. It's a heavy weight. And so for me, it was holding space for it at certain times, knowing I was going to let it hurt at certain times, literally scheduling time to feel it. Um, and then other times for me, it was, yeah, coping mechanisms. So finding a balance between the two and just taking yeah. baby steps. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And giving myself permission to do it. And I think it's, I think it's, you know, like that in life though, right? Like whatever we're managing, it's that balancing of like, what are you ready for? And being honest about it. Like sometimes we need to scale back and do a little bit less. Like sometimes we need to not push ourselves so much. But yeah. That's a hard one. <laughs> yeah. But then other times we really do need to push and we need to not let our fear hold us back or our pain hold us back. And that, that spot, that sweet spot, right, of kind of growth and, and outside of our comfort zones where we kind of all need to hold, I think, to progress. Only totally. we really know that, you know? Totally. And it's also something that I experienced when I, I mean, we've all had our difficult periods in life. We've all gone through shit. But for me, I also realized not that long ago that I felt comfortable being in my shit pretty much yeah. <laughs> um, because it, it was just like a comfortable situation for me. Um, yeah. So actually becoming uncomfortable and growing to the point where you're actually, you know, happy and fulfilled can be uncomfortable. Even if it's the feeling that you want, you might not be used to it, right? So oh my gosh, 100%. So that is something that, yeah, I never really realized before. But yeah, it, it's difficult when you're always, even if you're like unhappy and you want to change the situation, it feels comfortable, right? Well, so many of us become, you know, we function in what we know, right? We feel safe functioning in what we know. Um, and so I think it's very common. You see people maybe who grow up in chaos, they recreate chaos. That's what they know. Um, same thing with, I don't know, all different things. Some people are very comfortable in negative energies. Some people are very comfortable in chaos or busyness or whatever it may be. And, you know, we tend to gravitate to what feels comfortable for us. Doesn't necessarily mean that comfortable is serving us well or productive, you know? A hundred percent. And so what would you say you wish you knew during those difficult first stages of going through grief or just overcoming this? If there was like something you wish you could have told your older self or something you wish you knew sooner? Um, that is such a good question. I have done so much speaking on grief and I don't know that I've actually ever been asked that. I think that I would have just told myself to trust the process um, that it was going to be 
a continuing evolving process that eventually I would feel better and it didn't need to be right now, but just trust that it was possible to get there. Right. And I think a lot of times when we're very raw in our grief or our suffering, you know, it doesn't have to be grief. We're not ready to feel good, but we can be ready to open our minds and our hearts to the idea that eventually we will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Having that hope and that faith as well. And were there any like small steps that you took on a day-to-day basis that kind of changed over time or what were like? It definitely shifted over time. You know, at first it was, I would schedule time for me to kind of be in my grief. Mm -hmm. Um, I took, you know, I would schedule a lot less in my days. So the way I think about it is, you know, if we have an energy tank and all of us have them, right? But if you actually visualize like a tank, which I do a lot when I do my coaching exercise, I have like draw a tank um, and you fill it up with whatever's going on in your life, right? So before my grief, my tank was filled with a lot of different things. But then when the grief was consuming so much space, I had to really be diligent about what I was going to let go because otherwise I was going to overflow and explode. And so I think just constantly being aware of what my capacity was on any given day, um, learning to recognize what certain people could offer me in my grief journey and what certain people couldn't. And most importantly, being okay with whatever that was, like kind of celebrating like this person's really valuable to support me in this way, but really not going to support me in that way. Um, I think that was huge. I think learning to slowly build my world, right? I don't think grief goes away or gets smaller. Um, I think what we can do is slowly build our world. So the percentage, like that percentage of a hole in our world becomes smaller, but the actual hole itself doesn't become smaller. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I love it. It's easy kind of to visualize with the tank too. And I mean, looking at the space, you need to be able to create other things that bring you joy. So yeah, I mean, the grief, it will always be there, but other things will kind of expand and take up more space, right? Exactly. And did you seek out any support? Yeah, I had a grief coach. Um, I honestly think that she probably staped me. Um, I had a grief coach. I was in multiple bereaved parent groups. Um, I saw speakers present. I really found support in my own friends and family. Um, In running the marathon that following year, I started sending emails that shared stories about Layden's life and what I learned from her. And we began calling ourselves Team Layden. That was a huge source of support for me as well. And they really, that team of people, I don't know that they even recognize how much they picked me up, you know, when I couldn't walk and how much they continue to do so, even though I can walk, like, you know, they're still my, you know, cornerstone that still to me, Layden's family. And my number one in my life is still Layden, you know, whether or not she's here. And so there are no people that mean more to me than team Layden. So yeah, I definitely uh, sought supports and, um, and I think that was critical to my ability to heal in a way that wasn't destructive. Was doesn't that, mean it was easy. It doesn't that, mean it was easy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But was it, uh, did you find there was like resistance when you sought out support? Resistance from others or within myself? From, like within yourself. Was it hard for you to like reach out? Yes. And um, 
yes, it was hard to reach out. And there was the way I can explain it, like, you know, like at certain times in your life, you go through different cravings for different foods, (laughs) right? Or different phases. Like I found myself kind of craving different types of supports at different times. So um, in my grief coaching, I talk about different types of um, supporters and among those, like one type is distractors. So I have some people on the team who maybe get uncomfortable listening and that's okay. Like, cause it's not easy to listen to, but they're really good at distracting. Like let's go get dinner. Let's get drinks. Let's go out to a movie. Let's go for a run. Um, and then other times I was really craving friends who maybe were those listeners who would let me go on and on and on and just cry. And they didn't change the subject or they didn't tell me how to feel. They just really held space to listen. Um, so I think, that was kind of what I learned to become really good at. That makes a lot of sense too. Cause yeah, we definitely need different people at different points in our lives or even like at different times of the day. And I think it's important to recognize you have that different group of support or friends even um, that are there for you in different circumstances, I guess. Or like, yeah. like you were saying, like some of the ones you can just go out and kind of have fun, forget about what's mm-hmm. going on. And then the other ones where you literally have to have that, you know, deep conversation with them. Yeah. And I think, you know, some can do multiple, but I think like for sure. it makes me love and appreciate every person even more for who they are, you know, and oh, just yeah. celebrating like what makes them feel good, what makes them come alive and how can, you know, what we both want and need align in, in this moment. I think that's so powerful rather than turning to every person and saying like, well, I need you to do this for me and I need you to do that. If it's something that's really not in the wheelhouse, that's, you know, that's not necessarily a loving request. Oh, for sure. And so you turned to nutrition as part of your healing journey as well, right? Yeah. And uh, how was, so was your first kind of introduction with juice cleanses then? Yes, ironically, it was a juice <laughs> cleanse. Okay, and how'd that go for you? <laughs> it was great, honestly. Yeah. Like, my first cleanse was really great uh, because it, enlightened me to the fact that I was overeating and the fact that I was undernourished. Mm -hmm. Um, The fact that there was a huge connection between what I put in my body and my anxiety and my mood. So I will always appreciate that cleanse. And how long was it? I was a, initially it was going to be a five day and I turned it into seven because I just felt really good. Yeah. And so before that, were you eating like quote unquote healthy or was it kind of like all over the place? I was eating what I considered to be healthy. So I was counting calories. I was attentive to fat. I was doing high protein, you know, um, sugar free, you know, all of that stuff um, was what I considered healthy. But I had no idea about the way certain foods functioned for my body. And so was the juice cleanse another way of kind of controlling your diet? No, I think I was just feeling gross. Like I was just feeling like puffy and tired. And I had just read enough about juice cleanses that I was curious and wanted to try. Okay. Yeah, I had, um, I worked at a juice company and I love like fresh, raw, you know, locally made juice that's like not been pasteurized and with all the chemicals it's obviously with the live enzymes and everything like a good green juice but for me I don't do do very well on liquid diets 
Like, I remember, I think I tried to do a three-day, and I add soups into this. It's just so sad. Yeah. And I hardly made it for two days. I was literally, like, starving. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's also, um, I mean, it's not something I'd recommend for everybody, especially with, like, hormonal imbalances or adrenal fatigue or things like that. Um, but it can be a great way to, like, kickstart your health journey, and especially with, like, cleansing. But there are some caveats to it as well there are some things you obviously want to be aware of. So for you, are you a fan of them or are you not? Do you think it depends? What's your, your opinion? So I am not a fan of them in the way that I see them advertised and utilized. I do think they serve a purpose. Um, but very, very rarely would I now advocate for them. And I myself have not cleansed in two years. Um, Ju- juicing juicing correct yeah okay. i've taken and why is that <laughs> <laughs> so um, why do you what are your reasonings behind that so i think that the biggest challenges that i see i work with women so that i see women facing in their health or professional or fitness journeys is the yo-yo right So we go really extreme one way and then really extreme the other and really extreme one way and really extreme the other. And I think juice cleanses really play into this. I think a lot of times it's, oh, I'm going to cleanse, so I'm just going to go wild now. And then you cleanse and deprive yourself. And then I just cleanse, so I'm going to go wild now. I'm starving, you know. Um, I think it really feeds this energy of yo-yo. And I think that's where people struggle to make progress. Um, I think understanding nutrition and gut health is very important and critical to making changes in your energy, in your mind, in your fitness, uh, whatever it could be. Um, So, you know, I think incorporating juice is very powerful. I think using juice for healing properties is very powerful. I think using it for extra vitamins and nutrients is very powerful. But using it as a way to try to like, you know, get rid of some belly bloat or fit into a dress or feel better in a bathing suit or um, undo, you know, a two week kind of binge or crusade or whatever it is. um, I think that fuels very unhealthy behaviors and does more damage than not doing a cleanse. I 100% agree. And I'm so glad you said that because for me too, I kind of used it as another controlling mechanism when I was going through disordered eating. So I was like, oh, yay, there's another like rule I can follow, you know, Um, which totally backfired on me. But and then when I was working in um, this juicing company, I would see people come in and order these juice cleanses like right after the holidays or like, you know, obviously like in January and things like that, or if they were going to be like having a big meal, like Thanksgiving. And then literally the next week they would start cleansing on a, on a juice cleanse. Whereas during their everyday life, they would kind of eat whatever they wanted. And then they would be like, it's fine because then I can have a juice cleanse. Right. And that's also kind of dangerous as well, because um, if you look into like liver detoxification, it doesn't address usually both phases because there's two phases of detoxification. So it can rev up one phase, but then not the other phase. And if you also are not going to the bathroom regularly, then you're not getting rid of all of these excess toxins that are coming out, which is going to be even more dangerous. So yeah, I really think people need to be educated before they attempt doing these cleanses. And it's definitely not for everybody. Totally agree. 
And so for you, what would be a better way of like cleansing? If you were to recommend somebody, somebody needs to kind of like kickstart their liver detoxification or kind of cleanse a little bit more. Um, how would you go about that? So I would first, it would depend on what um, a person was experiencing would be my, you know, how I would um, make my recommendations, like what symptoms are they having or what are they seeking to achieve? Um, I think that's very important to let that be what drives, you know, recommendations and, and shifts to the way that we eat. But in general, um, understanding gut health is my number one thing. Um, incorporating healing foods or drinks to heal our guts. Um, incorporating foods that digest well, understanding food combining, you know, and then with different clients, I've gone as far as, you know, some intermittent fasting works really well for some not, some incorporating more raw foods. Um, and then looking at like, do we need to kind of try and clean out the liver? Like, is that what's possibly going on or um, making shifts in a busy lifestyle? And so I'd say it really, you know, it's driven by the demands of each unique person. We all have very unique digestive systems. Totally. And what are some of your favorite healing foods for your digestion and healing? Well, celery juice is no secret that that oh, is. Yes, obsessed. <laughs> yes. Are you a big celery juicer? Oh, yeah, every day. Every day. Did you yeah, find um, it from the medical medium? Yes, that was initially yeah. how um, I got into celery juice. And I didn't yeah, and like I, it at first. I hated it. Really? Because I hate celery, but I love celery juice. And, and I, I love like, celery, and I hate it. Oh, that's so funny. And I yeah. put things like parsley or cilantro in it as well, because I know he talks about that a lot. But um, yeah. yeah, I've been actually recommending it to a lot of people, even like just like my colleagues. And they like reported to me that they like they went to the bathroom like right away and like really helped with their like bowel movements, like not in a bad way, but no, yeah. um, they it's were just so surprised. They're like, what? I had no idea this would happen. But, but yeah, so that's one of the, um, the things that you recommend a lot. Yeah. I mean, I just think very basic things, you know, is what I would make for general recommendations, right? Um, celery juice, I mean, chewing your food so you can actually digest it, um, hydrating, but not drinking water with your food, um, you know, to, to interfere with the digestion process, which I think a lot of people don't realize. Yeah, um, or even like ice cold water yeah. during their meals. That's another one. Yeah, a lot of people have water during their meals because they think like, oh, I'll feel more full, you know, but that actually like, we think we're tricking our bodies, but we're actually making digestion harder. Like jokes yeah. on us, you know? <laughs> our body is smart, so. I always say that, Lawrence. I'm like, we were created to build humans, to carry on the human, you know, race. <laughs> Yeah. We can figure sure. out how to digest our food. We just got to <laughs> stop overcomplicating it. Yeah, 100%. And yeah, I love that you mentioned chewing your food too, because I remember first time I saw a nutritionist before I obviously went to school, she, the first thing she told me was like, chew your food 30 times. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then I actually like tried it and I was like, oh, I never yeah. chewed my food before. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just trying that out, like, okay, I'm going to chew my food for 30 times. You're like, oh my God, this feels different, you know? Totally. Um, and so again, I like to start with these like non kind of invasive suggestions. Again, food combining, I think is very important. And I steer away from numbers. I don't, I don't own a scale. Um, I don't count calories. I don't coach people to do to focus on the value of food based on fat or protein or calorie or macro or keto, like any of these things. I personally, in my own experience and coaching, um, 
focus on what the value is. What does that food do for you? And sometimes, you know, it could be potatoes, which are really healing for your gut, or it could be pineapple, which is great for digestion, um, cilantro, which can detoxify heavy metals, right? Or um, maybe it's a cookie that tastes really good and allow yourself to have that value too. Yeah, 100% agree. I love that. And so I want to get into a little bit about energy now, because I think this is really important in healing as well, as we've gone through our own personal development um, and emotional blocks. But how does energy play into like our day-to-day life? I believe energy is everything. Um, There is so much that we don't have control over right? Our external circumstances, the weather, you know, the way things evolve, there's so much we don't have control over, right? My grief, right? Yeah, we always try to control it too, right? Which is, it makes us even less in control when we're trying to control it. Exactly. So the only thing, the only thing I believe in this whole world that we actually have control over is our own energy. And so where else is more important to possibly direct being, you know, in control and aware and have integrity with the way that we use it. Yeah, totally agree. So how do you explain that with like getting results in whether it be fitness or in your career or relationships? Like how does the energy that you hold inside of you uh, translate into your external life or the people around you? Yeah. So the energy we give off is what we're going to receive back and what people receive from us. So, I mean, first I, I, there's, we could do like an entire season on this. Seriously. <laughs> and like, you have to be careful because my, um, my business partner, you know, I'm the life coach and she is the personal trainer. And so we combine everything and it always comes back to energy always, no matter what. And, but she has to like reel me in sometimes. Cause she's like, okay, Melissa, you're getting a little too woo woo on us. Like, <laughs> So Never if I go like energy. out there, just reel me in, okay? Yeah, no problem. I love woo woo, so go all in yeah. if you want. <laughs> um, you know, our energy is everything, and so it starts internally. Are we leading? Are we making decisions from a place of what could go wrong? Um, what's going to be criticized? What's going to fail? What's not going to work? What's going to hurt? Or are we leading from a place of what's going to go right? What's possible? You know what? What could possibly grow? Who could this serve well? What momentum could grow from this? What could this turn into? Um, And I think that's like the first kind of internal place where we need to check in. And we could go hours and hours on that alone. Um, But then as we move forward, just knowing like what choices we make and what energies it come from, right? Is it like, you know, there's all different things, all different terms attached. You know, high vibrations and low vibrations is um, pretty well understood i think right and so is it coming from a place of high vibrations like is it coming from a place of possibility are we are we talking to people out of love out of service out of joy out of curiosity um or are we talking from a place of like shame guilt worry comparison i think is a big one um you know trying to manipulate actions of others or get certain results or are we detaching from that and just kind of trusting and having faith and so i think whether it's the foods that we eat, the people we associate with, the conversations we have, when we are so aware of constantly moving from a place of high vibes, 
it just grows and it's, it's a game changer and it's really fun actually. I a hundred percent agree. And I've definitely been using that with my life, but I know I've been in instances where, especially at the beginning where you're kind of just like in that place of it can be loss or fear or shame or whatever, whatever negativity, it can be very hard to change that vibe because I mean, especially for you, I don't know if you used any of this when you were going through the early stages of your loss, but um, changing that negativity into positivity can be very challenging. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is. And so, and I like to make, it's so important that you bring that up. Thank you for saying that. Um, You know, I like to make the distinction that high vibes doesn't mean that we're always happy and everything is okay. And we're walking around like rainbows and butterflies. Like that's not me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, and that's not realistic. I feel a lot of pain. I still cry. You know, I sleep with my daughter's stuffed animal. I, I cry almost every day, probably at some point, maybe not quite anymore. Um, but I think it's allowing the uncomfortable emotions to have space Right. And just kind of letting them be there, letting them process, letting them work through and keeping that high vibe of trust, of patience, of knowing it's a process, knowing it's a journey, knowing it's an evolution and just kind of sitting with it. Like you said, right. Just sitting with it. Yeah. I love that you brought that up too. It's not about just pushing everything bad out of your life. Like we need to be like realistic and, um, you know, observe what's not feeling right in our lives, what's not going for us to be able to grow and, you know, make the shifts and the changes where they need to happen. But yeah, for me too, I found that it was just baby steps. Like I used to have the most toxic mind ever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it was really just using like, especially resources like YouTube videos, Abraham Hicks, all of these like books and just kind of like repeating it every day, like seeing these like affirmations and then changing the thought patterns in your head as well. I used to be literally just like beating myself up all day or criticizing everything. And now as soon as I have that thought, which doesn't happen as much anymore, I will replace it with something else or even like gratitude, something so simple. Um, I think it's the baby steps, especially when you are starting out in that place where it's not really easy to get into high vibe. And as you said, we're not supposed to be high vibe all the time. I mean, we're human. We have, you know, bad experiences, good experiences. But I think for the most part, the most realistic thing is to just take it with small changes every day. Right. Yeah. And then surrounding yourself with people, right, who actually are positive and who want to lift you up. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's a big one too, but yeah. So how do you kind of coach people around using energy to get your clients results if you do use that in your practice? Yeah. So I would say that, um, it's, it starts with awareness, right? Everything starts with awareness. A lot of times people aren't aware that they're choosing foods or workouts out of fear. Um, that, you know, if they eat something else, they're going to gain weight, or if they don't get their workout in, like, they're going to lose their fitness. Um, Shame, comparison, right? So it starts with awareness of, like, where are we choosing from? What what type of place are we choosing from? And then from there, it's action. So it's really different with everybody, but it's really just sitting and looking at goals. Like, what are we looking at? And then how do we get there, right? How do we get there? So where are we now? Where are we going? And how are we going to, you know, slowly get there? And then every day, just having these small steps of action, right, that come from a, a place of high vibes. And then 
knowing do we have to take space to kind of feel some other stuff? Do we need to work through other things? Um, protecting boundaries, like filling our own tanks so we don't become so depleted and exhausted that we have nothing left to give ourselves, never mind anyone else. So it's such a unique process, which is why I love it because it's not a one size fits all. Um, and it's really empowering when you can, you know, I love being able to support women in feeling their best and like getting down to like what's going on um, and what shifts we need to make to go forward. Like what's that roadblock, right? We've all got them. What's that roadblock? And all right, let's go. Like, how are we going to, how are we going to get over it? How are we going to work around it? Like, how are we going to disempower it? Um, yeah. And so it's, it's really just a process. Like I said, that begins with awareness um, and then action and continual action of just moving forward. Yeah. I love everything you said, especially with, how you always look at the individual as unique and everybody's different. So it's going to be different for every person. And then I think it's important, as you mentioned as well, to balance the energy with the action taking, because a lot of the time we can kind of stay stuck in fear and maybe do like the mindset work or whatever, but if we don't act on it, then we can't really grow either. Right. So it's really combining the two together. And I think, what you do as a coach is amazing because you can help people actually see what are the root imbalances. Why is this going on? We have to address it and then helping them take action. So I think that's, that's so valuable. Yeah. And so what are you up to now? What, uh, what's going on for you? Let us know um, if you have any programs or events or anything you want to share with uh, the public. Thanks. Yeah, I would love to. So um, I have, I'm actually really excited. I'm doing a holiday healing group and this is actually for charity um, wow. for Boston Children's Hospital. And I'm going to be doing coaching through December 3rd through January 6th. And it's going to be really supporting those experiencing loss or grief and loss doesn't have to mean loss of life, right? It could be a change, a loss of identity, a loss of job, um, or it could be a loss of life, but really helping people use, implement the strategies that I've used in my grief journey. I think it's really important to do them around the holidays so that they don't kind of tear at our heartstrings, right? Um, so I'm going to be running that soon. I'm excited about that. And then in January, my business partner and I, we are launching our next course. It's our third one. We already have like a pretty full crew, um, which we're so thrilled with. Um, we wrap up our current course tonight is our last call. I cannot believe it. Um, but that's called relaunch and that incorporates fitness, life coaching, and then gut health. So kind of all in one and that launches in January. And this is all online. Yeah. You can find me at griefandguts.com and Instagram. I got to change my Instagram handle, but I am Mel double underscore D underscore L. Uh, but griefandguts.com, you can definitely catch me there. Um, it's a cool name. I love it. <laughs> what was that? I love the uh, the name of it. Yeah, Grief and Guts. It's kind of my jam. <laughs> and so for the um, the program, the first one that you mentioned, is that um, something where people can sign up? Is that How does that work exactly? Um, for the holiday one, yeah, just honestly shoot me an email or a DM on Instagram. Tell me your story. We'll see if it would be a fit to support you. And it would just be an online donation, a suggested donation. If somebody is hurting and they can't make it in truth, you're still welcome. This is my way of getting into the holiday spirit of giving and service and connection. So incredible. I love it. That's an yeah. amazing way to give back. And I, I know that's something that um, is very near and dear to your heart. So 
That's incredible. I will definitely um, take any links you send me and put those in the show notes. Uh, thank you so much for being so open and raw. Um, I really enjoyed our chat today and I think it's something that a lot of people really need to hear. So thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to share. And, and in truth, honestly, it means more than I can articulate. It's, it's just a way of shining my daughter Layden's light and letting her legacy help others. So I can't thank you enough for the opportunity. Well, we really appreciate it. So thank you, Melissa. Yeah, talk soon. Okay, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you loved the episode, and I really encourage you to reach out to me, uh, send me a message, post a review, comment, whatever, um, to give me your feedback. So if you loved it, if you didn't, uh, what you'd like to see, what you'd like to hear, obviously here because you can't see, but um, if there's any topics or questions you want uh, for me either to address or to get you know guests on to address, I'm super open to it. I love hearing from you guys, so don't be shy. And second of all, if you are in Vancouver, my next workshop is December 5th. Uh, that's a Wednesday night from 7.30 to 9 at Vita Save, which is a health food store and supplement store in North Vancouver. And it will be all about immune boosting. So I'm teaming up with Laura Burroughs, a yoga instructor. We'll be talking about how to boost your immune system, uh, beat that cold and flu, and to really promote longevity and superior quality of life using natural remedies, so nutrition, lifestyle, but also yoga and breath work. So I'm gonna be talking about different remedies through food supplements, um, lifestyle, like how stress affects uh, your immune system, your gut health, things like vaccinations, antibiotics, colds versus flus. We're gonna dive right into it. And of course there will be Q&A, you can go home with a bitty bag and an ebook. And Laura will be guiding you through different moves and breath works uh, that you can do at wherever you are. And that really helps um, boost your mood system, um, stimulate your nervous system and organs in the body. So it's gonna be super cool, super fun. Um, it will be in the store. So if you are interested, definitely shoot me a message. Uh, you can also find the tickets on eventbrite.ca. Uh, as well as Facebook, there's a, a, an event, or you can just come into the store and buy tickets there. They're $20, and I would love to see you there. So let me know if you want to come, and that's December 5th. Until next time, talk to you guys soon.